0: agenda a voice in the desert now here's crystal heath all right las vegas and people listening everywhere across the fruited plains around the world thanks so much for being with us for this week's episode of the friddle show headlines and hypocrisy is what we're calling it today and we are just gonna smash through like hulk some of the news watch the new loki last night uh, as my brother John would say, adding Owen Wilson to the mix has definitely made an uptick in the Marvel stock. <laughs> Especially amongst those who are not super Marvel nerds. But man, did they smash a lot of stuff into that first episode of of Loki. I'm not sure yet if I like it. Really not sure. I, I don't know about all the little Marvel spinoffs. Like Mandalorian, Star Wars, it worked like it worked it was it was good marvel spin-offs uh you know WandaVision what i liked about WandaVision was the mystery and the intrigue and trying to figure out what is going on like that was interesting and then they ended it and then there was i was just like ah like i don't ever care if i ever see WandaVision again right the mandalorian i would watch I would watch again. I would watch both seasons again. Same, same with, with uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I thought there was so much potential there. And I, to me, it was just kind of like a... Ah. And aside from Owen Wilson, Owen Wilson was the redeeming part of Loki, the first episode, for me. For me, I was just kind of like, ah, come on, Marvel, give me something here. Like, Loki's the most lovable villain in the world. You know, as if you want to love people that kill people. But technically he's not a people. But we did find out he's not a robot. That's really not a spoiler. I'm just... But if you haven't watched it yet, he's not a robot. Anyway, um, yeah. I don't know why I'm even telling you this, because it's really not relevant. I guess it would be a cultural headline that uh, Loki, the series, has officially released on Disney the Plus. Which by the way if you're going to sign up for Disney Plus, you need to have Rakuten, which is a uh, online shopping money give backing thing, and it's awesome. and if you don't have it, don't sign up for Disney Plus until you do, and make sure when you sign up, you use my link to sign up because then we'll go both get bonus money for free, just for you signing up. Okay? All right, same with like the Walmart grocery delivery. It's amazing how much money. <laughs> these companies will give you back to sign up for stuff. I don't I I I do not live in a world where you shop online without first trying to find coupons, rebates, all the deals. I call it an obsession if you will, but I find the deals. I hunt for them, like some men hunt for deer and elk. Like I enjoy it. Anyway, Did you watch the Nations League final? No, of course you did not, because you are an uncultured American. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I had a big breakfast, so I'm feeling pretty good today. But um, the Nations League final was the U.S. men's national soccer team. And it was incredible. We beat our biggest soccer rival, which is Mexico, 3-2 uh, on a penalty kick from uh, Christian Pulisic. Mexico then had a penalty kick of their own just a few moments, it felt like, later, and our substitute keeper who had to come in, the backup guy came off the bench, just had incredible saves throughout the game, saved the game repeatedly, uh, saved the penalty kick and it was just it was it was absolutely an incredible game the kid's name is Ethan Horbath and he's just a th- rising star in US soccer but anyway US soccer like it's such a patriotic thing like if you think that watching you know your your football team or your baseball team or whatever gets you riled up there uh, to me and i've always loved watching our national teams play soccer i remember as you know i think i was 10, 11, something like that, is the first World Cup I remember. And the women's U.S. soccer team uh, won the World Cup. I was playing on a traveling uh, girls soccer team at that point in my life, and I love soccer. And to watch the women's World Cup team win that game was just incredible. And our our men's team is finally getting better. I wouldn't say that they're eligible to even make it to necessarily the semifinals yet but we have some serious talent coming up on the men's national team and it's it could be an exciting decade for U.S. men's soccer in the very near future um, but anyway, so that was congratulations to the men's national team and uh, just, just an incredible incredible game, then you had the Golden Knights the Golden Knights were playing the same time as, uh, as this game, and uh, they ended up winning that game. I believe if you're listening to the, the podcast edition of the program, and you're, you're not waiting until the, the weekend edition on the radio, if you're listening to the podcast edition, the Knights play again tonight. They lead the Avs in the series 3-2, to two, and if they win tonight, they keep on going. That's pretty... Whew, This is a big deal. And they're playing at home. So this is going to be a crazy night. I would strongly advise you that if you do not need to go downtown and you do not want to spend a great deal of time sitting in traffic, that you not go downtown between the hours of like 4 and 6 and then again like after (laughs) 9 when all those people are going to be leaving T-Mobile Arena and just celebrating it up downtown. So anyway, that's what's happened in the world of the sports, in case you were wondering and you're like, that is not at all why I listen to you, but okay. All right. We'll get on to other things. A Cleveland Clinic study of 52,238 employees shows that unvaccinated people who have had COVID-19 have no difference in their reinfection rate than people who had COVID-19 and took the vaccine. Now, some are saying, well, that doesn't matter because you could still spread the vaccine, blah, blah blah. Well, actually, according to the CDC, and this is a quote, we are still learning how well vaccines prevent you from spreading the virus that causes COVID-19 to others because there are some that are arguing, well, this doesn't matter because you could still spread the va- the the virus if you've just had it, whereas if you get the vaccine, then you're incapable of spreading it. We actually don't know. We, we actually don't know either of those things at this point. What we do know, what we do know is that unvaccinated people have no difference, no difference in reinfection rate than people who had it and took the vaccine. So there is, there is no reason to vaccinate people who have had COVID-19, and that will free up millions of doses for vaccines uh, for people that do want them in infected places with vaccine shortages uh, like in India. Uh, the medical life sciences news uh, dr sanchari sinaduta uh, uh, put out a article earlier this week i think it was on yeah tuesday of this week she she posted an article um, And said that scientists from the Cleveland Clinic, this is uh, no point vaccinating those who've had COVID-19, findings of Cleveland Clinic study. This is what she wrote. She said, scientists from the Cleveland Clinic USA have recently evaluated the effectiveness of coronavirus disease, 2019 COVID-19 vaccination among individuals with or without a history of severe acute respiratory syndrome, coronavirus 2, basically covid The study findings reveal that individuals with previous COVID infection do not get additional benefits from vaccination, indicating that COVID-19 vaccines should be prioritized to individuals without prior infection. The study is available on the MedRxiv preprint server. If that means something to you, apparently means something to the medical community. In the United States, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, has provided emergency use authorization for two mRNA-based COVID-19 vaccines developed by Pfizer and BioNTech and Moderna, which have shown high FC against COVID infection and disease in clinical trials. However, the ability to vaccinate a large part of the global population is limited by vaccine supply. In order to ensure fair access to vaccines throughout the world, the COVID-19 Vaccines Global Access Initiative was launched in many Countries, especially those with low socioeconomic status There is a serious shortage of vaccines Thus, in order to get the maximum vaccine benefits The most vulnerable population should be prioritized for the vaccination Currently, most countries prioritize vaccination for healthcare and other frontline workers, elderly people, and people with comorbidities. To further narrow down the prioritization criteria, the scientists in the current study have evaluated the necessity of COVID 19 vaccines for individuals who are previously infected with COVID. The study was, and by the way, she's using SARS-CoV-2. I'm just substituting it with COVID, so I don't have to say that every time. The study was conducted on 52,238 employees in the Cleveland Clinic. A positive RT-PCR test was considered to define COVID infection. The participants received two doses of the Pfizer or Moderna COVID-19 vaccine at an interval of 28 days. A participant was considered vaccinated after 14 days of receiving the second vaccine dose. Similarly, a participant who tested positive for COVID at least 42 days before before the vaccination initiation was considered previously infected. Of all enrolled participants, 5% had previous COVID infection. Uh, Compared to 59% of non-infected participants, only 47% of previously infected participants were vaccinated by the end of the study. About 63% received the Moderna vaccine. The analysis revealed during the course of the study was that COVID-19 infection occurred almost exclusively in participants who were not previously infected and were not vaccinated. Interestingly, no significant difference in COVID-19 incidents was observed between previously infected and currently unvaccinated participants, previously infected and currently vaccinated participants, and previously uninfected and currently vaccinated participants. (laughs) Oh, all the science that we don't talk about. The participants from these three groups exhibited a significantly lower incidence of COVID infection compared to previously uninfected and currently unvaccinated participants. Specifically, of all infections during the study period, 99.3% occurred in participants who were not infected previously and remained unvaccinated. In contrast, only 0.7% of infections uh, occurred in participants who were not previously infected but were currently uh, vaccinated. Importantly, not a single incidence of infection was observed in previously infected participants with or without vaccination. This, this is science. It is, it, is, it is mind-blowing to me that we are pushing for people who have had COVID to get the vaccine, particularly when, as this doctor points out, there are countries all over the world that are begging for this vaccine and then not getting it and they're unable to get it because people, <laughs> there's not enough of them. And maybe we should stop pushing the vaccine for people who have been infected when now we have multiple studies that show that, the, that having had COVID is as good, if not, and studies are showing better at giving you antibodies than the vaccine itself. So as this doctor points out, uh, this is, and this is just a conundrum, <laughs> I, I think if you are uh, if you are someone on the left, because y- y- you say you care about the poor of the world. Well, if you really care about the poor of the world, do you know what you can do for them right now? You can open up vaccinations and, and send them to their country by stop pushing vaccinations here in our country for people who have been previously infected, tested positive with a PCR test for COVID-19. And as of February, it was estimated that 71 million uh, Well, let's see. Somewhere between, it looks like, 40 and 70 million Americans have are estimated to have had. Wait. Okay, it looks like it's estimated 71 million Americans have had it. I believe it is positive tests. We have over 30 million Americans that we know have had uh, positive tests. So, at least 1 in 17 Americans have tested positive for the virus, and that was as of last year, according to Axios Health. 71 million, even we'll take the number, the lower confirmed number of people that have had positive test results, 30 million. 30 million! That could free up 60 million vaccination dosages, if you, if you, look, if you count each, each it's shot as its own dose. What we should be doing is saying if you if you want to sign outside, if you want to still do the mask thing and by you I mean like the science peoples, um, and I'm not sorry, I shouldn't put it that way. I'm not mocking people that are trying to help us. That's not what I'm saying. but if you look at the actual data and statistics, if you're willing to step away from the polarization and the politicization, politicization of this whole thing, then it just does not make sense to tell people who have had a positive PCR test for COVID that they should get vaccinated. The science does not back that up. And then those vaccinations could be used by countries around the world that are desperately searching for them and desperately wanting them for their uh, for their citizens. So if we care about people, if we really care about people around the world, if we care about the poor, if we care about minorities, if we care about the underprivileged, then maybe we should stop pushing vaccinations for everyone. Maybe we should stop saying, well, you can't do this unless you're vaccinated. Maybe there should be an asterisk to that. Maybe it should say, unless you're vaccinated or you have had COVID-19, because then guess what? You are the same level of protected as someone who's been vaccinated. In fact, you're probably more protected. And no, there isn't the data that shows that one or the other is more likely at this point to transmit the disease. So this should be good news. This should be great news that we have yet another study showing us that a COVID-19 test positive PCR positive test is as effective as a vaccine. This, This is huge. You know what else is huge? <laughs> the consumer price index. And that's not a good thing. The, the, the COVID immunities being, that, that's huge news in a good way. This is, not, this is huge in a bad way. U.S. consumer prices increased in the month of May at the fastest annual rate that we have seen in nearly 13 years. Translation, inflation is here. I mean, I won't mention who the president was 13 years ago, because I won't won't be that person. (laughs) But the Labor Department said today, Thursday, when we're doing this recording, when the podcast releases, apologies to those of you listening this weekend, that the consumer price index in May rose 5% year over year, higher than the 4.7 increase that was anticipated, and more than last month's 4.2%. Used car and truck prices surged 7.3%. Food prices rose Uh, uh, 0.4%. Core CPI, which excludes food and energy, rose 3.8% annually, the most since June of 1992. For for many of you listening, we we are seeing the largest price increases that have happened in this country in in your lifetime, in a month-over-month span. I mean, you can make of that what you will. But 40% of companies surveyed by the NFIB say that they are raising their selling prices. 40% of companies raising their selling prices. You may have seen this and and again I will let you I will let you determine what you think is is the cause of this. I won't I won't go there. I won't. I will let you do that because if I try to explain it, you're just going to accuse me of politicizing and say well this, it would have happened anyway well, I think that we could make an argument that maybe if we weren't printing so much money, maybe if we weren't giving away so much money, maybe if we had reopened our economy, maybe if we looked at the actual science, then maybe these things would be happening. But again, I won't offer my analysis. I'll let you do that. But compared to last year, let me just give you prices on a few things as compared to this time last year. 1,000 feet of lumber board right now in America. It's roughly, and these are estimates, okay? $1,500 last year this time. $304. Three hundred and four dollars. A gallon of gasoline, average price, three dollars five cents. Of course, here in Las Vegas, it's about three fifty. Last year at this time, national average, a dollar ninety-five cents. And you might say, "Well, I don't mind paying. You know, I get, so what. I have to pay an extra ten bucks a week in gasoline. It's not a big deal. It may not be a big deal when you fill your tank. To some people, by the way, that is a big deal. All right. I used to be able to fill my 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 car for like thirty-two, thirty-three dollars. Now it's over fifty bucks. To me, that's a big deal. All right, and it may not be a big deal to you. To me, it is. Um, but it doesn't just affect the <laughs> your gas can. That affects the price price of your plane tickets because guess what they put into planes? Fuel, gasoline, diesel, all the the the, the liquids. Okay, the liquid power. <laughs> that affects. The cost of goods, because guess what? Guess what powers the trucks that haul your goods from place to place that bring your stuff to Walmart? The fuel, the gasolines, the diesel. Okay, everything that you purchase is impacted by that price of gasoline increase. It's not just you paying 10 bucks a more, 10 bucks more a week. In In fuel price, so it's not a big deal, and by the way, that would be forty bucks more a month for some people, and for some people, that is a big deal. A ton of wheat two hundred fifty one dollars as opposed to last year one hundred and eighty three dollars a ton of coal, eighty dollars as opposed to last year thirty nine dollars a bushel of corn six dollars eighty six cents as opposed to last year at three dollars forty three cents so forty percent of companies say they are increasing their prices. That's, that's not, um, it's not hopeful. Surely not. So let's, let's talk about hypocrisy now for a minute. According to Wikipedia, hypocrisy is the practice of engaging in the same behavior or activity for which one criticizes another. Or the practice of claiming to have moral standards or beliefs to which one's own behavior does not conform. In moral psychology, it is the failure to follow one's own expressed moral rules and principles. Now, generally, I don't quote from Wikipedia, but I thought that that was a pretty good summary. It's a practice of engaging in the same thing that you criticize someone else for, or claiming to have moral standards, but your behavior doesn't reflect that. It's a failure to follow your own expressed moral rules and principles. I think that's a good definition. So... When our vice president tells Guatemalan migrants, do not come to the U.S. And in speaking in her first overseas trip since taking office, said that the journey north was dangerous and would mainly benefit people smugglers. And that people would be turned back at the border. And then I quote, I quote, she said, "Quote, do not come. Do not come. The United States will continue to enforce our laws and secure our borders. If you come to our border, you will be turned back." I'm sorry, what? What just happened? I remember I I I I remember not so long ago. Very similar words being spoken in a previous administration which shall go unnamed lest we offend. But I remember like almost word for word words like this coming from a previous administration and them being decried, mocked, ridiculed, and just put on absolute blast for being uh, you know, racist, uncaring, unfeeling, un American even. And I mean let's let's just call a spade a spade. It was Donald Trump hates Mexicans. Donald Trump hates uh, migrants. Anybody who supports Donald Trump hates immigrants. Anybody who says they want to secure our border hates immigrants. Oh, you agree with Trump that the border should be secure? You're a racist hater. Maybe you haven't experienced that. Maybe I just live in a different world. But I remember that happening not very long ago. And by the way, I agree 100% with our vice president when she goes to Guatemala and says this. And I agree with her 100% that we should be enforcing our laws and securing our border. But it is the height of hypocrisy when you say, not less than a year ago, <laughs> there was someone else who was president and saying this thing, whether you were someone who was anticipating voting for him, someone in his staff, any, any person that said this was not okay. Not okay at all, because you were, you were a racist, you were a bigot, uh, you hated people, you're uncaring, unfeeling. What happened to the welcoming America that we all know and love? And then, of course, she went on to do, our vice president went on to do the interview. Uh, was it 60 Minutes? I think it was on 60 Minutes. Let me see if I can find it real quick. Uh... Hang on. Sorry, guys. Gotta look it up here. Um... It was Lester Holt. NBC. Sorry, it was on NBC. She told NBC Lester's... Lester's... Okay. Lester Holt. We've been to the border. This was just an unbelievable interview. If you haven't seen it, you can go look it up. So, uh... (sighs) (laughs) let me just tell you about this. Uh, Holt asked the vice president, he said, the question that has come up, and you heard it here and you'll hear it here again, I'm sure is, why not visit the border? Why not see what Americans are seeing in this crisis? To which our vice president responded, we have to deal with what's happening at the border. There's no question about that. That's not a debatable point. But we have to understand that there's a reason people are arriving at our border and ask what it is that reason, and then identify the problem so we can fix it. Well, Holt said, asked Harris, you know, if she had any plans to visit the border. And she said, at some point, you know, we are going to the border. We've been to the border. So this whole thing about the border, we've been to the border, we've been to the border. Holt responded. Now remember, this isn't Fox News. This is Lester Holt on NBC. Holt responded, you haven't, you haven't, but he said it very gently, like as a question, you haven't been to the border. To which she says, and I haven't been to Europe. And then she laughs. And she says, I mean, I don't understand the point you're making. I'm not... I, I, don't, I don't understand the point you're making. Um. You said repeatedly, we've been to the border, we've been to the border, we've been to the border. In two sentences, you said it three times. And then, you say, when he says, you haven't been to the border, you say, and I haven't been to Europe. I don't understand the point you're making. The point is, you haven't been to the border! Like what? You went to Guatemala to give a speech to tell them not to come. You are in charge of the border. You've never actually been there. Repeatedly say in an interview, "We've been to the border. We've been to the border. We've been to the border." And then when I say, "But you haven't been to the border," she says, "Well, I haven't been to Europe. Nobody. What is that? That has nothing to do with anything. We don't. We don't care if you go to Europe. Go to Europe. What? (laughs) What?" Imagine, imagine the news cycle. If any Republican, but more particularly say a guy named, oh, I don't know, Mike Pence or, or Donald Trump, had, had given that interview, exact same words, imagine what would be happening. <sighs> it's just unbelievable. And then you have the Guatemalan president. Who is chiding, publicly chiding, the Biden administration for mixed messaging? Investigative journalist Sarah Carter sat down for an exclusive interview with Guatemalan President Alejandro Gimiati, and I apologize for probably mispronouncing his last name. Uh, she was there to discuss Vice President uh, Harris's summit with him and the state of the U.S. border crisis. The Guatemalan president told her that people are leaving Guatemala and being taken advantage of by the ruthless cartels and human trafficking coyotes in part because of mis-messaging from the United States. Uh, Ms. Carter, reporting on Fox News, said he pushed back against the Biden administration. He said this border crisis is one of your own making. Don't put the blame on us," he said. "The U.S. should be clearer in its messaging that humanitarian messages have routinely been distorted by coyotes to flood the border with unaccompanied minors and benefit financially in the process." "Quote, what they said," this is the Guatemalan, uh, the, uh, sorry, the Guatemalan president. "Quote, what they said." in in the U.S., he's implying, is that they will promote family unification. So the coyotes took the children and teenagers to the U.S., and the order was full, not only with people from Guatemala. That is why our proposal is that messages should be clear. But if you have a lukewarm message, it only creates the opportunity to misinterpret. He also wants bilateral cooperation with the United States that includes stronger federal charges against traffickers and coyotes, And he is willing to institute it in Guatemala in cooperation with Washington, D.C. Alright, we need to talk about a few other things because I just am... Yes, we're just going to talk about some other things. Okay. Two things, in fact, and then I'm going to let you go. Possibly the most important things we'll talk about today because they are better for your blood pressure, well... Maybe not actually <laughs> than what we've just been talking about, but the McPita is back. According to the Jerusalem Post, McDonald's is bringing back the McFalafel after a decade. The McFalafel, I would totally try this thing. Like, I would, I would totally do it. According to the Jerusalem Post, a decade after it first presented McFalafel in Israel, McDonald's will begin selling falafel, kebabs, and crispy chicken and pita breads at its Israeli branches starting on July 7th. Now I have to go back to Israel just so I can have a McFalafel. Like, it's just fun to say, if nothing else. But also, I love falafel, especially in Israel. Like, falafel in Israel, oh my goodness, it is so good. Customers looking for Middle Eastern cuisine at the famously American restaurant chain will be able to purchase a McFalafel, McKebab, or crispy chicken in a mini pita with tahini, lettuce, tomato, onions, and pickles. Oh my goodness! At Israeli McDonald's, my big breakfast is not feeling so big anymore. I would, I, I want a McFalafel, a McKebab. I want a crispy chicken in the mini pita with tahini, lettuce, tomato, onion. No, no pickles. McDonald's made a similar attempt to bring McFalafel in a la-la wrap to its Israeli restaurants in 2011, but quickly removed it from the menu after it didn't catch on. Many articles from the time questioned why Israelis would go to a burger joint for Middle Eastern dishes traditionally bought from a plethora of other vendors who specialize in these dishes. Now that is a very good point, because every uh, pita sandwich like this, or falafel like this that I've had, uh, it's, we, we when I've been to Israel um couple times. They it was like at a roadside stand or like a roadside restaurant and oh my goodness, they were so good. So yeah, I mean I I wouldn't understand going to a McDonald's to get this unless, you know, we just just it's easy. Simple. It was an experiment and we realized that falafel doesn't belong in McDonalds. We wanted a vegetarian dish alongside the corn snacks, but it didn't succeed, said McDonald's Israel CEO Omri Padan at the time. Other Middle Eastern style meals, such as the Mik kebab and shawarma, have also been trialed at Israeli branches is in the past. McDonald's is promising, however, that the recipe has been improved and is different than the falafel it sold in 2011. The company also recently announced that it is launching a new pilot program in which customers can order their meal online and have it delivered directly to their vehicle by a branch employee. Blah blah blah. blah. That's the end of the article. The McFalafel people. I feel like, though, perhaps, the McFalafel would actually possibly do better in the United States than even in Israel. Because someone like me would be like, yes, thank you very much. I have no reason to go to McDonald's before. Now I do. I would be be there. I'd be getting a McFalafel. I'd be getting the crispy chicken and the pita with the tahini. Oh, my goodness, yes. Now, oh, my goodness, no. (laughs) We're all about balance here on this program all about the balance guys, I have never I have just never understood the phenomena of the crocs, I just don't get it I really don't I I, I guess they're comfortable but now, now now, like that was the one thing that I always thought, okay I don't understand the Croc hype, but apparently they're they're really comfortable, so I'll give you that. Because I am all about, you know, comfort, versatility, uh usability like yeah. So so that I I I personally have never had the the need or the desire or anything to be like, "Oh, Crocs," but I know that a lot of people do. Now, however, Crocs are Crocs are changing, as the New York Post reports. <laughs> High fashion never rests. The comfort shoe of the COVID nineteen pandemic, which I'm like, what? What? This is the part of the article that I don't agree with. The Crocs were a comfort shoe way before COVID nineteen happened. Like maybe you just realized it, but they've been around for a while. But anyway, it's taking a dangerous turn. Balenciaga which is the company behind the Crocs, has unveiled its latest... Sorry, not the company behind it. It is a collaboration with Crocs. In fact, I don't even know what this is. Let me look it up. I thought it was the Croc company the first time I read it, but now that I read it, it doesn't seem to be. It's like a shoe company. Okay, well, do they make Crocs? Wow, they make some weird-looking shoes. And some... Very, very expensive sneakers. Oh my goodness, wow. If you want something what is what is this? Oh, oh wow. Balenciaga sneaker head small top handle bag in blue polyester two thousand one hundred fifty dollars. Okay. All right. All right. Calm down. If you wanna if you wanna be just oh my goodness, this, no, wow, wow, okay, they're apparently a shoe bag and ready-to-wear stuff's company, the seasons must have pieces, exclusive collections, and wardrobe essentials, all right, so, they are doing a collaboration with Crocs, and if you go look at any of their other, uh, footwear, you could probably guess that this is not going to go well. I had not until now, and now I'm just in a state of, like, distress and shock that someone would actually pay this amount of money for these things, but anyway. Balenciaga's latest collaboration with Crocs is, in fact, Crocs with heels. It is a narrow heel placed precariously (laughs) Uh, on the sole of its trademark rubber clog. The New York Post, I think, said it well when they said, The monstrosity was unveiled at the fashion house's spring 2022 Balenciaga clones collection showing and immediately drew the ire of pandemic-worn social media. Someone said, Kill it with fire. (laughs) Uh, no price has been announced for the shoe yet, but previous attempts to elevate Crocs have crossed into the luxury sphere. Balenciaga's $850 <coughs> <coughs> what platform clogs reportedly sold out before even being available in stores. The Crocs with heels apparently comes in both green and black and will join a knee-high rubber boot in the collection as well. <laughs> the rubber boot is just about as actually I actually think the rubber boot may be funnier. Uh the heel just looks like what 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 is this? But the the boot is like a it's a just a regular rubber boot but it has like the <laughs> the imprint design of like a crock Im- impressed on it. It's really I okay. All right. Well, now you know. Now you know if you wanted Crocs with heels because the best element of Crocs was their comfort we're going to take that away and instead make them extremely expensive and what I can only imagine is rather uncomfortable. On that happy note McFalafels an unhappy note of Crocs with heels I will bid you farewell for this week's edition of The Frittle Show. Look forward to having you join us again next week. Thanks so much for being here. This is, for those of you listening on the radio, KVXL 101.1 FM Experience Liberty Radio from Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. If you're listening to the podcast and you're in Las Vegas, come and visit us on Sunday morning at 8 o'clock, 945, or 1130 for any of our three Sunday morning services. Our address, 6501 West Lakeview Boulevard, and you can find out more about our ministry by visiting our website at experienceliberty.com dot com.